Week two of NFL free agency has officially kicked off. The Bears made seven signings in week one. They had Trevor Simeon as well as Ryan Bates at Hallis Hall on Tuesday. Going through a couple more free agent visits. What's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast brought to you by Empire Sports Media. You know me, the host, Usaid Koshu. You can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshu. Sam's out again this week with lacrosse. I've got my other co-host, Joseph Herf, in the house. You can follow him on Twitter at Joseph Herf NFL. Make sure you have rated the podcast five stars give us a thumbs up on itunes spotify okay leave a good review too guys so we can continue growing follow fireside bears on twitter youtube facebook tiktok and instagram at fireside bears joe is a busy week one of signings for the bears let's get right into week two but first how you doing i'm good man i'm good um wrestling just started up for me so i was starting to get the busy season for me with work and wrestling so this is a nice way to kind of decompress get to talk about what i love to talk about and yeah here we are yeah, and we're dealing with a lot of technical difficulties today, so please bear with us, no pun intended. But, you know, we have to get right into it because the big news that kind of came out of household today was that Ryan Bates and Trevor Simeon were at the facility for visits. Now, Ryan Bates, I think the news broke on Monday or something that he was kind of heading to Chicago. He's had a couple suitors, most notably the Minnesota Vikings are some legitimate competition for Bates. He's just 25 years old and has been with the Buffalo Bills. So when you look at kind of the Bears offensive line, I think this is a move where the Bears are trying to consistently beef up that interior. Okay, They signed Lucas Patrick, Chicago went out, and they still have Cody White here on the roster. They have guys like Larry Borum as well as Tevin Jenkins, who, again, Jenkins and Borum have played in the interior too throughout college. But I think Bates being 25, 26 years old, this is all about adding a long-term option to the interior of the offensive line. This is about figuring out how exactly can we go ahead and to make this unit into a sustainable and lasting unit that is going to go ahead and that is going to allow Justin Fields to function for the next five to 10 years. Now, the key thing that sticks out about Ryan Bates is that the assistant general manager for the Bears, Ian Cunningham, he was in Philadelphia when Bates actually came into the NFL as a undrafted free agent. And so ultimately, when you look at this, I certainly see there's that Philadelphia connection here and Cunningham certainly being a former offensive lineman from Virginia Tech is really playing a big role in a lot of the Bears evaluations and acquisitions. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Bates. Um, He's not a very popular name in terms of, you know, high-end guards in the NFL right now, but he does his job. He plays for the Bills. They're they're a championship. Obviously, they haven't made any championships yet, but they're they're a continuous playoff contender. Uh, He's only 25 years old. He's mean, he's nasty, he's strong, he's fast. He's kind of got all the traits that you want in an offensive lineman to build around to uh, develop your own offensive lineman. So getting him along with keeping Whitehair and keeping Lucas Patrick at center, that's a very solid core. Wanted to kind of touch on Lucas Patrick a little bit. Most people really don't hear about, you know, how good centers are. You hear about, you know, the big name ones, but you really don't hear about, you know, the middle level ones, the, uh, the, you know, mid to high. Like you just hear about, you know, the top tier guys. So, Lucas Patrick's a very solid interior offensive lineman that can play anywhere along the interior. He's a guy that you want to keep in-house for a long time. He's basically a higher-end Alex Bars, essentially, where Alex Bars can literally play anywhere, too. But Lucas Patrick can play anywhere at a very good level. I know last year he played over 900 snaps, only gave up a single sack. Again, a lot of that could do with Aaron Rodgers being his quarterback and making good call-outs. But Lucas Patrick, in general, is a very solid player who earned the trust of Green Bay as being a two-year starter. So... Very excited to have him in-house. If we got Bates along with him, all you got to do is figure out the tackles, and you basically have the offensive line locked up essentially for the next two to three years, depending on how long Whitehair is still, still here if they want to replace him too. But regardless, I'm okay with where we stand right now. We'll, we'll get into a little more, but I, I really, really am a big fan of Ryan Bates and Lucas Patrick. Yeah, I want to kind of touch on something here real quick as I switch over to my hotspot. But, it, you know, it's – Look, there's a lot that's going on for the Bears free agency period, and I kind of went ahead and graded a lot of these signings too. Some of them I was a fan of. Some of them I will admit I was not a fan of. But just being concise, specific, as well as objective here, you know, people are kind of putting Ryan Poles on this pedestal that I don't necessarily think he is exactly deserving of just yet. You know, the guy's been on the job for whatever – 
two months now in Chicago because he got hired in like mid to late January. So it's been exactly two months. Eberflus has been here for two months too. And at this point, it just seems like every single move based off what you see on Twitter and just the general reaction from the fan base is overwhelmingly positive. But there's something to kind of be said for pretty much everything that's going on in Chicago is that number one, Ryan Poles is about unproven as it gets as a general manager. We don't know what his tenure in Chicago is going to look like. But also, when you look at the last time the Bears legitimately needed to start over seven years ago back in 2015, I mean, you look at that first first year, Ryan Pace was also kind of aggressive in free agency. He went out and he signed vets like Andrew Royal as well as Eddie Royal to two, three-year deals. And then you had a couple one-year signings too, guys like Alan Ball, Tracy Porter. This free agency period kind of mirrors that free agency period too. And I'm not saying that Polls is Ryan Pace 2.0, but I also think that we have to kind of say this, and it needs to be said publicly too, is that when Pace started rebuilding the Bears in 2015, he didn't really have any building blocks on the roster outside of Kyle Long, Kyle Fuller, as well as Alshon Jeffrey. Okay, and again, both the Kyles lasted way longer in Chicago than Alshon Jeffrey did. But you look at Ryan Poles right now, and here's the deal. He does not have to really even select a quarterback. He's got a highly talented quarterback prospect in Justin Fields already on the roster. And there's a lot of first-year GMs that would kill to have Fields on the roster. Okay, I legitimately mean that. But then number two, you look at some of the Bears' other positions on the roster. You have a really good wide receiver in Darnell Mooney. You have a stud cornerback in Jalen Johnson who's still getting better. Roquan Smith's another elite linebacker at his position that does not get enough love just around the NFL. So the point is, is this Bears team, right, compared to the last time they started over, they do have pieces, okay, to legitimately build around. But I also think we just can't turn a blind eye to the fact that this free agency period, it's been good in some regards, but it's also kind of been underwhelming, okay? And it's been underwhelming because it's like you look at the Larry Joby fiasco. That was a fiasco that Max Smith and I touched on the YouTube channel. Go check that out. Ultimately, would have been great, but the Bears kind of had to go in a different direction because of a failed physical. So the point is, is, you know, these guys like Bates, you know, Trevor Simeon, the Bears signings this free agency period have been of two types to round out this rant here. They've been low risk, high reward, or they've been familiarity with the coaching staff. You look at Al-Qadim Muhammad, Lucas Patrick, Byron Pringle, those are all players that the Bears brought in, specifically as they were familiar with the coaching staff. You look at a guy like a Kari Blassingame or a Nicholas Morrow, that's a low-risk, high-reward type signing. Equinemius St. Brown's another one that was brought in specifically because he was familiar with the offensive coordinator as well as kind of is going to understand the system. So, you know, it's been a free agency period that's drawn mixed reactions so far for the Bears. Yeah, I think it's kind of hard to hold judgment. We kind of talked, you kind of talked about it. It's hard to really want to get in these high name, high level players. Most of them are already kind of getting near the end of their prime. And obviously, Ryan Poles here is starting to rebuild. So it would be kind of irrelevant to go after a, a Taryn Armstead who just signed today right before we recorded this podcast to a five-year deal, it'd be pointless. Like, you're bringing in a guy who's 31 years old, hasn't played a 16-game season his entire career, and you don't know how much longer he's been in the NFL. If he keeps getting beat up, he's not playing much longer, and you're not competing immediately. It's essentially just more dead money being thrown. It's essentially what Ryan Pace was doing near the end of his tenure. That almost was an issue like Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn almost became that, basically. So he's playing this smart in the sense that he's letting the free agency still continue to come to him without getting overly aggressive. Again, the Ogun Joby was a mistake, but at least Ryan Poles did not pull the Ryan Pace, or Ryan Pace still brought in Pernell McPhee, who never seemed to become healthy. Healthy, And McPhee came in injured, and he never lived up to the, the price tag that they gave him. So Free agency still is open. There still is a lot of great options. If they want to bring in a veteran to fill a hole for a season, that's still very possible. You talk you talk about familiarity. Eric Fisher is still a free agent right now who could be the starting left tackle day one for the Chicago Bears. He had a rough 2021, but he was coming off that Achilles injury. He had a short off season, changing to a new team with a bad quarterback and a pretty banged-up overall offense. Now he could be coming to the Bears with a team with a brand-new offensive coordinator, 
you have some familiarity with Iberflus as his head coach, even though obviously he the ball, but still some familiarity there. And some familiarity as well with Poles, since Poles was with the Chiefs forever and Fisher was with the Chiefs for a few years as their left tackle. Regardless, it's a great option there. I talked about it, I believe, last week or two weeks ago, how deep the defensive back class still is right now in free agency. It's still a ton of great options. I know as of recently, um, I can't – I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he's he just signed with the Bucks as like a corner slash safety. Um, absolutely drawing a blank on the name, but there's still guys like Tyron Matthews, Stephon Gilmore, Steven Nelson, Bryce Callahan, J. Ron Kears, just – that's just the top five. Like, there's tons of different great options available. A DB, linebacker, middle linebacker is a diamond dozen. Regardless, they're playing the smart point point in case. It, you do want to see immediate results and we're getting impatient, but you need to be patient with this rebuild. You want to have guys that are going to stay long-term. You want to have consistency. You want to build it from the ground up. You don't want to have no base and then start putting in these high-level players that you're going to overpay because then you're going to be like the Jaguars who just overpaid Christian Kirk. They're overpaying a bunch of these players that are not going to live up to their price tags. And they sadly have to do that because they're not winning teams. And I want to touch on that right before turning back to you, but that's the reason Allen Robinson turned down his his offer that reportedly uh, the Bears blog reported was the Bears offer of a five-year, $90 million deal. He turned that down for a three-year, $45 million deal. Now, that sounds absolutely absurd, but when you're getting to the end of your career, you want to have a guy that you know can throw you the ball well, you want to have consistency in the offense, and you want to have a chance to make a run at a Super Bowl. He's coming into Matt Stafford and Sean McVay. Sure, he's at the wide receiver one. He'll be the number two to Cooper Cup, but he's still going to have consistency at quarterback. He's going to have a chance to push for a Super Bowl, joining a Super Bowl, a, the team that just won the Super Bowl, and now they just dumped off Robert Woods, so he's the true number two for the team. So the Bears either have to, A, wait for that second and third wave and get guys cheap that, kind of have no other option, unfortunately. That's kind of where the Bears are at. Or they have to massively overpay like the Jaguars are doing right now. And I'm glad they're going with option A right now. Yeah, look, you know, touching on Allen Robinson real briefly, but this the, the thank you statement that he released on, I believe it was Sunday morning, was just the fact that he thanked the city of Chicago. He thanked all the fans, too. I don't think that Allen Robinson ever looked at all the times the fans went at him on social media and was ever negative about it. I just think that it ultimately came down to the fact that things don't work out, and this is two things. It's not just a game. Football is not just a game, but at the NFL level, it is also a performance and results-based business, and you're compensated on your performance as well as your results. And I tell people all the time that get really pissed off and annoyed that some of these players are in a situation where ultimately they decide to not come back to a specific team. It's just the fact that when you look at this team at all times, you know, kind of what happens is this is it's like – Sometimes people are not happy with where they're at in life and where they're at in their careers. They decide to leave one company for another. This is no different than that by any means, just in the sense that Allen Robinson was not necessarily happy with the state of the Bears. And he said, hey, listen, I want out. I think that this move for him was more so about being able to get his hands on a Super Bowl than it was about necessarily even getting paid. And you look at the deal. I mean, when he signed with the Bears four years ago, at that time, it was a three-year, $42 million deal is what it was. This is what, like a three-year, 45 or $50 million deal, something like that. So it's right around the same ballpark. But obviously, there's going to be incentives and stuff, and I'm sure he's going to be able to earn extra money. But kind of getting away from A-Rob here, this does bring up an intriguing question that we need to go ahead and answer is that the Bears made seven signings in the first wave of free agency, low-risk, high-reward, based on familiarity, things of that nature. Now it brings up another important question is that what exactly is the next step for Ryan Poles and the Bears after that first week of free agency? Because to say that the Bears need to let the market settle is partially true because, again, some of these free agents like a Eric Fisher, for example, could be on the market even after the NFL draft. But I think the next step for Poles and the Bears is just continuing to let that market settle and looking at everything and saying, okay, 
what exactly are the positional groups that are going to be the most important to the success of Justin Fields? How do we need to go ahead and shore these up? And I would say the offensive line is a big one. I would say that looking at the free agent wide receiver class right now, I would love to see the Bears bring in another receiver. I would even say this, is that if you look at the state of the tight end room as well. I understand Jesper Horstead's there along with Cole Komet, but how about considering adding another tight end too? Because when we look at this wide receiver and this tight end room right now, I mean, let me just go and start with the wide receiver room. There's still some players out there that you could argue could be really productive. Like Marquise Goodwin's a name that I thought got injured in 2021 and I thought did not necessarily have an opportunity to fully showcase what exactly he could do. You're looking at, you know, a guy like a T.Y. Hilton, for example, and I would not mind T.Y. Hilton as a stopgap solution by any means. You kind of go ahead and switch over to the tight end room here. And I'm not saying it's going to be absolutely critical for the Bears to add a tight end because this is the same team that under a different regime overspent on Jimmy Graham by a wide margin. But hey, a guy that's been a pretty solid receiving tight end in the NFL and necessarily does not get those flash plays, but is able to go ahead and is just a semi-consistent target. You know what? Eric Ebron would make some sense. He's only 28, 29 years old. You know, a guy like a Tyler Croft from the Jets would make sense too. But the point is, I think, you know, the next step is this just figuring out how can we continue to add to some of these positional groups because you don't want to just have a positional group and fill a need to fill a need. You want to figure out a way to say, Hey, this is what we have in this specific positional group. How can we continue to make that positional group a monster? Yeah, that's definitely a great point. They need to improve these groups. And obviously Ryan Poles, he literally came out and said it in his opening presser. He's literally quoted saying, we're going to acquire young, fast, and physical football players. Again, that's kind of their MO. That's what their plan is to do. Obviously, that's not going to be perfectly the case. You can't roll out 2022 20, season with young, unproven guys all along your offensive line. You need to have a sort of veteran left tackle. That's why my idea was Eric Fisher. There's other guys out there still, Nate Solder uh, for the New York Giants. Uh, you could bring in a familiar face in Billy Price, maybe have or Billy Turner, sorry, have him play offensive tackle or even guard um, and possibly get rid of Whitehair or stick him in at the other guard position. Regardless, there's a lot of still op- decent options still out there that they can run with that are veterans that can be stopgaps. And that is for any position group. I know I touched on with defensive back that you can insert one of those guys, but the plan essentially is going to be they're going to try and find these young guys that they can develop. And then they're going to put these one to two year guys ahead of them at the end of this free agency. So a great example is basically bringing a guy like say Cornelius Lucas to be your left tackle. And then you have Larry Borum slash Tevin Jenkins possibly being the main backup this year. And again, that hurts to say Tevin Jenkins was a second round pick, but he might not be the guy and he's not Ryan Poles' guy and he's not Matt Eberflus's guy and he's not Geske's guy. He might not have any, association with his offense at all with with any of the coaching staff with anybody so he might he might be kind of screwed in this situation so they're going to essentially any position they can't find one of these young guys any position that needs a potential veteran they're going to get a one to two year guy that's a familiar face that knows the scheme and can likely teach these young guys how to play the position in their scheme that's why eric fisher is a great kind of point to bring up he has connections to both sides he is playing playing in the league for a long time. He could be a two year guy, one year guy to be the left tackle while you either draft, say uh, Ohio State's left tackle, or even have like Tevin Jenkins learn under him. That's kind of needs to be the plan for kind of the rest of free agency. Again, we kind of it sucks because we want to see these big signs. We want to see these Terran Armsteads come in. We want to see introduce Smith Schuster, DJ Chark. We want to see all these big name guys come in. But the reality is they need to build this foundation, and we need to hold all judgment until following the draft because even in camp there's going to be cuts. The draft is going to lead to possibly starters for us that we won't need these veteran guys, and a lot's going to happen still. They're just getting started. There's still a lot of holes to fill. It's not like we're going to roll into 2022 with Darnell Mooney and Byron Pringles are one and two receivers. It's not going to happen. And if you actually think that is, then you have no understanding of what's actually going on right now. 
So you mentioned Eric Fisher as a name that's familiar with both sides. I think another name that is familiar with Matt Eberflus would actually be 27-year-old offensive tackle Julian Davenport. He was with Indianapolis last year. I mean, I understand he's been in the league since 2017. He was a fourth-round pick by the Houston Texans, but he does have that starting experience. He's played in 59 games with 32 starts. And, you know, being just 27 years old, he's still a free agent. I think that that is a name that you look at and you say, hey, could Davenport be somebody that we bring in? Now, I'm a little wary of Eric Fisher just because, again, he's getting up there in age. He's had the Achilles injury. Last year for Indianapolis, you kind of saw the strength of the Colts right now is their interior offensive line led by Quentin Nelson, center Ryan Kelly, obviously a big piece there. They were very much a run first team. That's why Jonathan Taylor had such a big year. But Julian Davenport's a name I would not mind the Bears rolling the dice on because, again, he's dealt with injuries in his career, but being just 27, you know, he's someone that I think can really come in and have a serious change of scenery in Chicago. Now, these free agent signings that you look at, I think they lead to another really intriguing question because you talk about, Joe, how the Bears are not necessarily done adding to the roster, which we know is obviously true, and that some of the Bears' needs in the draft, if you were to take a look at the draft board and you were to say, hey, how would you rank the Bears' needs? Okay, My top three right now would be, Offensive line and wide receiver, I think, are tied for first overall. And then I would say that cornerback's another one because you don't know what you have in Thomas Graham Jr. Kendall Wilder and Duke Shelley, I'm not going to say that they're completely done because I do think that knowing Matt Eberflus's track record of coaching up these defensive backs, they could certainly turn it around. I think Wilder more so than Duke Shelley at this point. Thomas Graham Jr., obviously, was a solid player last year in the handful of games that he got to play. Didn't even play until the Bears hosted the Vikings late in December. But I would say this is that he, Graham Jr.'s got a lot of untapped potential. He's also, I think, the versatile chess piece that the Bears like to move around and that Eberflus would want to move around because he can play both inside and outside. Has everything it takes to play safety to just be a strong safety. But the point I'm making is that some of these signings the Bears have made have gone ahead and impacted what the Bears are going to do in the NFL draft. Okay, I don't see the Bears selecting a linebacker at all this year simply because you have Nicholas Morrow now. And by the way, Max Smith made this note on YouTube. Yes, he's like, hey, Alec Ogletree, who, again, for as late of an addition as he was last season, burst onto the scene and is still a free agent and has experience playing as a Mike as well as a Sam linebacker in a 4-3 scheme. Okay, And so, Joe, how do you think, some of the Bears signings impact the NFL draft moving forward because with two second round picks now, there's a wide array of possibilities. Yeah, you made a really good point. It, it, they're, they're kind of showing their – I wouldn't say they're showing their hand, but they're definitely showing what they're favoring in the NFL draft by free agency. They haven't signed a single tackle. You can't tell me that, you, that a brand-new staff already knows and trusts Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borman to be the starting offense tackles. Clearly, they're either going to sign a tackle still or they're going to draft a new one and they don't trust someone. There's no way they trust both of them. Second wide receiver. Yes, Byron Pringle probably could be the wide receiver three slash four. After that, Equinemius St. Brown, yeah, great depth piece. Maybe now that he's away from Aaron Rodgers, who plays favorites, maybe he has a chance to develop under a staff that could care about him and doesn't have a diva at quarterback. Yeah, maybe, but... They don't have a – I mean, Mooney could arguably be an, a low-end number one, but they don't have a number two. They don't have a, a mid-to-high-level developmental number one piece. They're kind of showing their hand in that sense. That Again, the first wave is not officially still over yet. There's still those, some of those top guys left, like Taron Armstead just signed. The second and third wave guys are still coming. So we really won't know how the NFL draft is going to be approached until after that already happens. But I think you make a good point with those two second round picks. It's hard to see the Bears not going double offense on that with offensive line and wide receiver. Hard not to see them. I mean, you could possibly see them going after corner, like you said. I, Thomas Graham, Kendall Vildor, and Duke Shelley really are nothing to brag about in terms of a cornerback number two. 
again, Iberfus' defense is not a huge quarterback cornerback driven defense. It's more dependent on the safeties, but still could still could see them going after somebody to lock them down for the future. I don't see them going after safety really in the second round, maybe in the later rounds, but I'd honestly be totally content with riding with an Eddie Jackson, DeAndre Houston Carson starting safety duo, unlike many others. I'd be okay with that. I, I, it's hard to see them not going double off. It's essentially just to kind of tie everything together and not ramble on. It's, it's hard to see them not going double offense, like wide receiver, offensive tackle, double wide receiver in the first two picks, possibly three. Yeah, look, this is the first time that the Bears have had three top 100 picks since the 2018 season, I believe, or the 2018 draft, which even then the Bears didn't have three top 100 picks until they went ahead and traded back into round two for Anthony Miller. But I kind of noted this in our group convo where we're all just always talking about the bears. And occasionally you guys come at me if you're saying something. Okay. Or even at max for saying something regarding Jesper Horstead. Cause he said that on the TL today. And I was like, watch out. Cause Joe and Sam are just going to come after you for absolute blasphemy. Um, but I, I look at some of the combinations and, you know, our guy Duke Coughlin, I love Duke, but I still question why he decided to put out a mock draft. And I confronted him in a respectful way where I'm like, Duke, I don't see the Bears even taking a safety in round two just because I don't think that in this draft class outside of Ky- guys like Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame and Lewis signed from Georgia, there aren't a lot of safeties that I would take in rounds two or three. I think that certain positions like that, you could go ahead and find guys in rounds five or even six as just hidden gems. And I would also be fine with rolling into the year with Houston Carson as well as Eddie Jackson as safeties because I think DeAndre Houston Carson right now is one of the longest tenured members of the Bears roster. Okay? Right up there with Cody Whitehair because he's been here since 2016. Both have been here since 2016. But also number two, the guy's made plays over the last couple of years when he's gotten opportunities. And unfortunately, one of the problems with the Matt Nagy Ryan Pace Bears was that there were a lot of players when you had potential, like a Jesper Horstead or a Thomas Graham Jr. or a what's his name? Um, yeah, Houston Carson, for example. But um, they unfortunately did not exactly get the fairest reps because of yeah stupidity in coaching. But joining us now, though, we have the man, the myth, the legend in the house, Raul Bennington. What's going on? Long time no see. How you doing, man? What's up, what's up, what's up? What's going on? Yo, so obviously you know Joe, but we just got to ask you, right? How are you feeling about all this free agent, you know, stuff that the Bears got going on? I'm going to shine the light on my face so I can tell you how I really feel. I think that Poles is making the mistake that young GMs make, which is they feel as they can conquer the whole world. They feel as their plan is always going to work and they leave no room or minimum room for you know for any screw-ups i think from the start from from the top it's like this you have with a rookie quarterback you have five years right you have five years to invest in them right justin fields is done his first year is done right kind of a failure because he didn't have the proper roster he didn't have the proper offense we went nowhere we went what six and ten six and eleven whatever Year two, you're giving him absolutely nothing, right? With the new offensive coordinator, a new team, and new targets. These aren't top-tier, you know, roster-changing targets. These are just regular guys off the street. Now you only have two years and then uh, a, 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 what you call it, a rookie um, uh, contract, right? So basically you have three years, and your margin for error is that thin. Because when you re-up quarterbacks is when you affect your entire cap. That's when teams don't really win when they re-up quarterbacks. They don't win the Super Bowl. So in the, in the quarterback's rookie, um, rookie contract is when you want to literally put the pedal to the metal, push it to the limit. 
Right now, Poles is playing this smart game where he thinks he can build from from the draft. I think building from the draft is just some stupid football stuff that people say because it's not really – it's not true. You don't have enough draft picks to actually have enough impact players that's going to impact your whole roster. And by the time that you do get enough draft picks, the ones that you drafted in year one are going to be up for new contracts. You have If you're going to build a roster, you're going to build it with – uh, free agency, draft, and trades, right? You have to use all of your, all of the the resources that you possibly can. Poles is being a dickhead. I mean, I, I I don't like the roster is so goddamn bad right now. Like we're lucky if we win three three games. And I don't know, Bull. The draft has started. Free agency's not over. Shut up. The different the difference makers are 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 gone, right? And then you have two second round picks, a third round pick, and what two fifths and a sixth. Bro, you're like to think that somehow you can magically make that leap is just it's asinine. It's not even realistic. It's stupid. But Bear fans are gonna go with it because you're just gonna cheer, 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 even though you haven't had anything to cheer about in the last like almost twenty years. Shut the hell up. Notice when something is going wrong. This is going wrong. Y'all, y'all just be tweaking and just tweeting some of the dumbest stuff ever. You don't. Your your number one receiver is Darnell Mooney. I love Darnell Mooney coming out of college. I was the one on Twitter that was singing his praises when nobody was talking about him. Darnell Mooney is not your number one. You, your offensive line was bad last year. You have done nothing to improve it. You just let Armstead walk for $15 million. Chum change. That would, have, would not have affected your cap whatsoever in the next three three years. Right? You have your, your, number, two, your number two wide receiver is Brian Prinkle. Pringle is the same damn the same age as uh, as uh, as A Rob, except he's never eclipsed six hundred yards before in his life. Then, then what do you have? Cole Komet, David Montgomery. Come on, bro. This is a joke. This is an absolute joke right now. I digress. Yeah, I don't. Well, first things first. You know, we always love having you on the show, but I, I you know, I got indifferent feelings towards everything that's going on because it's like you say you know bear fans are just gonna cheer for anything and everything that the team is doing and let me say this for the record because people are gonna get pissed off that i'm gonna say this but it's just like y'all are not holding like people were so mad with ryan pace and matt Nagy that it got to a point where it was just like the next thing is automatically going to be better. And there goes Raul because he probably got kicked out of the thing. But whatever. We'll continue going here as he's going to jump back in. But, like, Joe, because Raul joined, what were your thoughts on his entire rant? Because I know you guys certainly got, like, different, you know, what's the word, like, opinions. No, I mean, you definitely need to take advantage of the quarterback rookie contract. Like, you got to take advantage. Like you, you just saw Deshaun Watson get that massive extension as soon as he got traded. The Browns are still in a good spot, but they're going to start having to pay people soon. Again, they have now Amari Cooper on the books for his $20 million deal per year. They have Deshaun Watson on that massive contract. They're going to start having to pay people. Greg Newsom is a rookie right now. He's on his rookie contract. He's going to need a big extension. Thankfully, they have Miles Garrett extended, but there's going to be more people coming on the offensive line. We already saw them. They had to make a cut. They had to cut J.C. Treader. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw them give it to Kareem Hunt, too, to free up some more cast space. They already got Nick Chubb. They, they're going to have to make some changes now that they did that extension. And either that or they're going to have to push money to the future, and you see how bad that happens to some teams. They'll fall off like the Saints are right now. So you do need to take advantage of the rookie contract. And it, it's unfortunate for Poles in the sense that he got to miss out on a full year of fields on that rookie deal. So he didn't have any say on that year where Pace kind of threw money at stupid players like Jimmy Graham and Andy Dalton that are now affecting his contract or his cap space. So he doesn't have as much help now. He has a lot of dead cap coming into this year. Not a lot he can do, unfortunately. And yeah, again, it would be nice to kind of see. I'd be fine with Taron Armstead coming on that five-year deal, but you never know how long he's truly going to last with all the injuries that he's kind of accrued over the few years. You, you could see him kind of having a, a revival of a career where he plays 16 games every year like Andrew Whitworth did and go into the age of 40-something or like Jason Peters as well. But can, is that is that going to happen? Probably not. Again, I, I don't. I wouldn't say I blindly trust polls, but I'm keeping an open mind at this point that 
I want to wait till after the draft. You never know who's going to get cut until now. You, surprise cuts are happening every day still right now. You never know who's going to go after the draft. It's Again, building from the draft is like a it's, – it's, I wouldn't say it's the perfect phrase to kind of say because you don't solely build from the draft. You build a foundation from the draft and you find starters, but, I mean, the Chiefs made a massive trade for Orlando Brown Jr. to be the starting left tackle. They didn't, they didn't develop him. They didn't draft him. But they did draft their starting center. They drafted their starting guard. They they had their right tackle, Mitchell Schwartz, there for at forever. It, it's guys that they brought in. Tyreek Hill was developed. Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, their running back home was mainly developed, or they were cheaper guys. Their entire offense was essentially developed except their starting left tackle. So, yes, you it's yes and no. You do need to spend in some positions, but for the most part, you do need to develop most of your roster for, so they have some continuity and they stay for the long term. My guy like Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, hopefully their center. I absolutely love Creed Humphrey. He was a guy I was super high on. I'm glad they got him because he's being used correctly. And can't remember the right guard's name that they drafted out of Tennessee, but he's an absolute stud too, who I love, and they got him in like the sixth round. Smith? Yes, Trey Smith. Yeah, Trey Smith, uh, absolute stud. So while I get that, and I totally agree with what you're, you're saying, you want to get your basis in the draft. But what you can do in the meantime, in between time, is you want to get players on two, three-year deals mm-hmm. that can impact and can protect your assets that are already on, on the team. Right, Agreed. you get a three-year deal with somebody like like Armstead. Uh, what's my man's name? With the the one that signed with the 49ers last year, uh, the uh, left tackle. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. There, uh, Trent Williams. Trent Williams, similar situations, injury, all pro. Uh, literally is getting what 22 million dollars, and you're talking about Armstead is younger. Has the same injuries and it's an old pro and you and you're you're balking at fifteen million like if if nothing else right if nothing else if you said okay this year what we're gonna do for for Justin Fields confidence and his and his development is we're going to get the best old line possible right we're gonna get players that we know are we can trust and if we can draft players that can supplement them then we'll do that. Right, that's understandable. You know for a fact, going into the season, Justin uh, Fields is protected. You know you have a strength that you can move on with and gain his confidence. That's team building. You just don't go in there with a bunch of iffies. You're talking about your left tackle is going to be Jenkins, right? No, I don't want Jenkins either. Oh. Who do you who who are we starting at left tackle? Oh yeah, no, I I'm I'm in agreement with you. Um. I wouldn't say that, you know, I'd be fine getting Taron Armstead. I don't think he'd go to fifteen million to the Bears. Unfortunately, I, I think they need to pay a little more, which I'd be fine 17. with too. Yeah, I'd be yeah, fine 17. with it. I, I personally think like we we talked about it earlier before you hopped on. The Bears offered Al Robinson a five year ninety million, and he said no to that to take only fifteen million per year to the Rams, and it's because he has a chance to compete. Armstead doesn't have that exact chance, quote unquote, to compete with the Dolphins, but definitely a better chance. He has a is a more established team there. The Bears have no chance of competing right now, unfortunately. But there's still tackles available now that I'd be fine with, like stop gaps. Like Eric Fisher, again, not amazing by any means. He had a horrendous 2021. I won't even deny that. But uh-huh. no offseason essentially coming off a torn Achilles and brand new team with a with a quarterback that cannot cannot sit in the pocket normally without freaking out because he's been hurt so many times. So Getting an Eric Fisher, who has an entire offseason now to recover, fully be good, and to be your left tackle, that that again, he's not he's not a world beater. He's average, or like a Cornelius Lucas. Again, he they both both those guys are very solid tackles. They're not amazing, they're not world beaters. They're basically just like essentially like I'll say Lucas is probably an upgrade over like a Charles Leno was for the Bears. Fisher is definitely an upgrade over what Charles Leno was for the Bears for years. And there's again, these guys again aren't world beaters, but they are stopgap guys you have for like two to three years that are fine that will just get the job done. And or even I'd be fine again. I, I said it before, but it's not gonna happen. I'd be fine with Jason Peters again to like play like same thing like Armstead, play twelve games out of the year and just be an absolute monster for those twelve games. So 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 my issue with that is we are we're picking bottom of the barrel guys to protect our our greatest asset right on on the team thus far and that is a to me is a danger and is a terrible way 
to build that team. Lucas is, to me, is a swing tackle. Eric Fisher is somebody that he's a replacement level starter. I get that. But you want to have some certain things established for uh, for, for, for Fields' confidence. And I just think that having that all-pro, right, and then going from the all-pro to Cody Whitehair to, to, to even, the uh, what's his name, Patrick, the center mm-hmm. that we got, you know, you make things a little bit easier. And now you just have one spot that you need to fill, which is your right guard, right? And then everything else is house money, right? So now you, you, you have formulated an actual offensive line, right, with different options. Now you're talking about Eric Fisher, who is a, a right now. You don't know what you have in Eric Fisher, right? Even if you do sign him, you don't really know what you have. Then Cody Whitehair coming off two of his worst years. Then you have somebody who's uh, he started how many games? I think seven games. And then your right guard, you have no idea who it is. And then you have a rookie, uh, a, a right tackle from 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 last year who started what two games? That's the most uncertain offensive line you could actually put in front of your in front of your your prized possession, which is Justin Fields. There's no confidence in that. Nobody should have confidence in it, in that. That's my- yeah, I think you know. And anyways, I'm finally back in this thing after the internet kicked me out. Hey, for you tried to play minutes. my Wi-Fi, <laughs> dude. It's so weird. Okay, I don't know what it is i set my desk up in such a way where it's like i'll have wi-fi and then it just happens every single time but like you know look the i wanted teron armstead on the bears simply because bear fans obviously you know this whole when ryan Bowles came out and said like we're gonna connect evaluation to valuation and stuff and they're not gonna overpay for people and all that hullabaloo for lack of better terminology i mean i just think like it's almost like there are times where you go to buy a house or buy a car and you hope to get one MSRP, but then you ultimately don't get that MSRP and you either have to kind of overpay just a bit to get the thing that you want, but knowing that in the long term it benefits you. And, you know, these windows are getting smaller and smaller in the NFL. It's, it's just like, you know, if you have a rookie quarterback on a Theoretically, what is a four-year deal because the fifth year, at the end of year three, you can choose to add on or basically decline the fifth-year option. It's just like, you know, you pretty much got a four-year window with the quarterback, you know, and if you're not maximizing it, then what's happening is you're wasting time. And sometimes, you know what, people may not necessarily agree with overpaying for a veteran who's been injured but at the end of the day like if you're not doing what's in justin field's best interest you're clearly doing something wrong so like i would have loved armstead i think 15 million dollars a year for a player of his caliber is an absolute steal but there's times where it's just like ryan poles is just too conservative and being overly conservative and playing it too safe sometimes is not good. But being overly risky sometimes is not good either, as we saw Ryan Pace do. So you just got to learn to pick and choose your battles. Now, I think all this leads to an intriguing question, though. And I want to get Raul's thoughts on this because we have him on a couple times a year. I mean, the Bears have two second-round picks. So who are some of your prime targets, man? I know George Pickens, Chris Olave are players that you're really high on. Who's some prime targets for you in round two? Round two, I'm taking whatever it, it, it comes to me because this draft is so deep. I think the quarterbacks are going to push a lot of things in a really, really weird, weird way. Um, if you have the opportunity to get a Pickens-Watson, run to the podium twice, right? Olave-Watson, run to the podium twice, like like e- easily. But if somebody, you know, like, um, what's his name? The DN from Michigan just tore his AC, uh, his Achilles. Ajabo? Ajabo. This is a great stash spot because you're not trying to win this year. Stash him. He fits that He fits that 4-3 perfectly. Um, you have a bunch of cornerbacks like Elam, even though I don't think the Bears will draft one. I think that's a, that's a great pick, you know, it, with the 39th uh, overall pick or that second uh, pick. As well, I think I think you're. I think it's going to be an embarrassment of riches in that in that upper second round. Yeah, I definitely agree. I 
good point with the quarterbacks because a lot of those guys are not going to be deserving to go above some of these talents. But yeah. quarterback is such a need. You're going to see guys like, again, I'm a huge Matt Corral fan, don't get me wrong. Don't think he deserves to be a top 15 pick, but I think he will be. Maybe Sam Howell goes into the first round too somehow, even after an okay past season. There could be potentially four to five quarterbacks going to the first round, and none of yeah. these quarterbacks are better than Mac Jones. Like, yeah. Mac Jones is the fifth quarterback off the board. So, like you were saying, these guys are going to fall. Nicholas petit Freer out of Ohio State, left tackle. I'd be totally great with getting him in there and reuniting him with Justin Fields. I'd be totally good with taking wide receivers as well. George Pickens is a great one I love. I know Pickens slash Watson, either one. I Again, it, it kind of depends how the board falls, what kind of goes to you. But if you end with a combination of petit Freer as your left tackle and then either a Pickens or Watson as your wide receiver one slash two for his first season, obviously – with the plan to develop into a one, but starting as your two, that's a win right there alone. You you double address your main biggest needs of offense while also getting guys that can develop into absolute top five players of their position group for the next few seasons. See, for me, that second round, one guy that I've had a big draft crush on is Zion Johnson from Boston College. Okay, I certainly think that he would slide and he could play both center or even left guard. He plays with a lot of powers, a really good run blocker, pretty good pass protector too. So for me, the, there's two positions you absolutely cannot miss out on and you need to hit out of the park in round two. It's offensive line wide receiver. You know, I mean, I've been doing some scouting reports and stuff. So Nicholas Petit Fair, I don't think is a name that we're talking about enough. I mean, he's got basically three years worth of experience under his belt as a left tackle, but also started a handful of games at right tackle. Another name that I don't think people are talking about more so is Thayer Munford, who, you know, if he has a really good pro day, then you could see him rising up the boards, but... Munford's another Ohio State name to keep on. I personally last year wanted the Bears to go after Josh Myers or Wyatt Davis because I'm like, those are two really good interior guards that also are from Ohio State. The Justin Fields connection just makes sense there. But, you know, looking at a lot of these wide receivers, like I love Jahan Dotson, but I don't think he's necessarily going to be there, okay? But I love George Pickens. You know, knowing that 2022 is – not necessarily a worthless year. You talk about stashing players away. You know, Ojabo's one guy that I would be fine with, but also another guy I think I would be willing to take a chance on would be John Mechie Jr. or John Mechie the third, I believe his name is from Alabama. Another name that you know can play both inside and outside is a pretty good separator, a really crafty route runner too. You know, is weird because I think like. You look at the talent that Alabama sent at the wide receiver position to the NFL the last couple of years, like a Jerry Judy, um, Henry Ruggs III, obviously. Last year they had Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. And it just seems like this year everyone was so hooked on to Jamison Williams that people almost forgot Mechie had such a productive season. He's someone that's going to end up falling through the cracks. And, you know, Christian Watson I think by far is – a name that I think all these wide receivers are plug and play, but I also think someone who's got high up the highest upside of any of these guys is obviously going to be Pickens or Watson. You know, I love, I love uh, big Meech. Meech is that's, that's my guy. And I think if you can get Meech in the third round, I think you do it. I think he's the perfect slot. Uh, he's a separator. He's crafty as hell. And he's a good <coughs> outlet for a field. Um, uh, I just I just think that like if you got a chance to get two X's like Watson and Pickens, bro, you you just don't pass that up. I just don't think you pass that up. I think you just you you go for it. I mean, I can't see two better prospects for us right now to develop with Fields. You get those two and let Fields. If you get Pickens, Fields, I mean Pickens, Watson, and uh, uh, and Mooney on the same field, oh, good luck two to three years for. So, so what I'll say is this is I think like, you know, if the it, it, look, it's a league that's driven by two things, elite offensive play and well, explosive offenses and elite quarterback play. Right. And 
you need to have a really good vertical passing game to even be able to excel. You need to have multiple deep bets. And, you know, if you're the Bears right now, like if the opportunity comes to go wide receiver, wide receiver, you go wide receiver, wide receiver in round two, specifically because you want to be in a situation, a position where it's just about like continuing to add to that wide receiver group. Like the Rams are the biggest example of this, okay? Because it's like, they had Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and then Van Jefferson, which I thought was a really solid trio of wide receivers. And it's just like they knew Robert Woods was getting old. He tears his ACL. They ship him off, and now they have Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and Allen Robinson. Like, the Bears have never really had a good trio of wide receivers. And this is just the draft where it's just like everyone gotten has gotten so focused on the lack of talent at the quarterback position. They What's going to happen is that – these receivers, I would argue this is that so many of them are just plug and play day one starters, you know? So like I don't think you could you can't go wrong by drafting any of these guys. Um another name that a lot of people have seemingly loved is Jalen Tol Tolbert or Tolbert, however you say the last name, from Southern Alabama or something. I don't know, some smaller school like in Alabama, you know, he's another name that I would love, but ultimately like, you know. Anytime you trade away Khalil Mack, you better be able to hit on that both of those picks. And so you better find impact players. And that's why I think like round two is going to kind of be wide receiver, offensive line, or even you could throw in their cornerback. But I would say wide receiver and offensive line first before cornerback. Let me ask you a question. Why are people so, so in love with Tolbert? I don't, I don't get the love. I don't get, I don't get. Why people are so I get I get it in uh, when when you played at South Alabama, he was a vertical guy, right? And I get he he's 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 pretty good in and out of his breaks, but his route running is not that special for him to be a small school guy, and his his his, his speed is not that special for him, for him to be a small school guy that is going to go in the top like early three rounds. I I, I just don't see it. I, I I think he's just another guy in the group of like. To me, I feel comfortable with him in the fourth round. Yeah, I'd like him in the third. I don't see it. I think think when you put on his film, he he showed it with a – obviously on South Alabama, but he absolutely shredded Tennessee. He he was playing SEC teams in some of these games, Mm -hmm. and he was destroying them. Mm -hmm. I watched that. Yeah, he he had that one play where he beat the corner deep and had a crazy one-handed catch. Like, again, I don't think he's like – an instant like I don't think he's a Christian Watson. I don't think he's a uh, these like uh sorry George Pickens. I don't think of the name. I don't think he's either of those guys. But if you get him like the end of the third, like at a trade back or something, as like your developmental X, I think he definitely has the traits. I mean, he's got the height, he's got the size. He doesn't have amazing speed like you said, but he's his route running silky smooth. I again his route his routes specifically aren't spectacular by any means, but that's more I'd say due to the sort of scheme. Um, but when he's running his routes and he's going in and out of his breaks, like you're saying, it's pretty slick. Um, I think there's a lot there to you know develop. But again, when, with a third round pick, you don't want a developmental guy when you're quote unquote trying to build through the draft. You want guys that can be immediate impacts that can also develop. So I can see why people don't want him there. I can, I get it. But I, I'd say like if you're if the Bears were to address free agency by getting their number one X locked up like a DJ Chark for a few years. I see them wanting going after Tolbert as a guy to kind of learn under him and you know develop into a number two receiver for them with Mooney to be the three. So, so, so my arguments out to that, and we're not going to get caught, caught up on it because it's not a, a draft podcast. I apologize, but he's a vertical. Everything he does is vertical. He bases his 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 routes off of vert, vertical, right? And a vertical wideout that does not have that speed as a cornerback, you're easy to stop because, bro, like. If you if you go, I'm not gonna fall for your double move. Uh, you know, like I know for a fact that you're trying to go vertical, but you're not that vertical. You're not that fast. You know, as a corner, that that guy doesn't scare me like that, right? Because everything he bases off of is high to low. You feel me? Sky Moore is a is a vertical guy, but Sky Moore can play that intermediate game. Sky Moore can get in in and out of his breaks extremely fast. I can't stand him because he has the name of a stripper. And he's a wide he he's a wide out, and I don't want that on my team. But other than that, Sky Moore is ten times better than Tolbert, right? Definitely agree. And I, like and I think Moore that a lot yeah, and I think there are a lot more wide receivers that are that I would 
feel more comfortable. Right now, you want to go with that bang for your buck wide out. You want to go with somebody that you can see in the next three, four years as a top five, top ten wide receiver. And I think you still have the opportunity to get that in the second round. A name I throw out there, and I know everybody says it's gonna, he's going to go in the first round, but if you look at a draft history, how many wide receivers with one year of production coming off an ACL have ever went in the first in the first round? I can't I think mean, of one. Exactly. So Jamison Williams, it, it's a possibility. I'm not saying it's probable, but it's a possibility. You feel me? So like that's somebody that could possibly creep around that 39 spot. Yeah, I'm okay. So first things first, you know, I love Sky Moore too. He's one guy that I've highlighted on Twitter as well. But obviously, he doesn't get a lot of love from like the Bears fan base, specifically because people are so caught up on like, like it's a chain reaction. Okay, when it comes to talking about some of the positions, when it comes to the Bears fan base, because it's like someone starts throwing out a name or two like a Jalen Tolbert, and then it just catches fire with everybody else. And then there's other prospects like a Sky Moore or even a John Mechie that nobody even bets an eye at specifically because people are like, well, forget that guy. We really need, like, this other guy to come in and, you know, have a really productive season, and this guy's the next best thing and whatever, right? But, like, Sky Moore is a name that I want – Obviously a smaller school, but certainly has shown that the dude's a baller, okay? And then, yeah, Jamison Williams I would totally be okay with. Like, th- these receivers that Bama's sending to the NFL this year, are they getting as much hype as some of the guys in the past? Absolutely not. But they have still shown that, hey, we can be, like, really productive. And, you know, Jamison Williams, like, I see him right now being a mid-to-late first-round pick, okay? I think when you look at... Number one, teams are going to overdraft quarterbacks. Number two, what's going to happen is the offensive tackle class this year is completely bonkers. You look at the top half of the draft, a lot of these teams need an offensive tackle. So a guy like an Evan Neal, like the dude from, I think, what is his name? Charles Cross or something from like Texas A&M. I don't know because I'm so tired, okay? Those guys are all going to be drafted high. The pass rusher group this year is really good. Same thing with the cornerbacks. I mean, but the point is, is that some of these receivers are going to be pushed down the board. And I think the Bears are going to be in a position at 39th overall to go ahead and really capitalize, you know. And Raul, don't feel bad about it not being a draft podcast because we just talk about whatever on here. All right, bet. Let's talk about these hoes then. What's up? <laughs> no? All right, bet. My bad. All right, no, so let Go oh, go ahead. I just think no, that you... uh, I, I'm just looking at draft history. I'm not saying that the, the talent doesn't, you know, match. But y- y- Jameson, I mean, I've never seen a one-year production or an ACL, you know, coming off a, a, a major injury, you know, especially that late in the season, go in the first round. So, I mean, I, I've just never seen it. I'm not saying that it's not possible. But I think that draft draft, or, I mean, Twitter gets into this, into these um, – uh, echo chambers where one name like everybody thinks like Olave is a is a lock for the top twenty or the first round. And I'm like, no. Like if you look at past history of the NFL, players of his elk don't go in the first round. You feel me? They just don't. Like it just is. It, 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 they and if they do is is late first. So yes, Olave has a chance to be there at 39. What's the major difference between Dotson and o- o- Olave? There isn't none, but we think Dotson can go in the second round, but Olave can't? Yeah, you know, when you look at, and I'll get Joe's opinion too here in a moment, like Chris Olave, and I know we talked about this earlier too, but like he reminds me a lot of Keenan Allen. Is he a true vertical threat? That's kind of debatable, but also when you look at, you know, Olave, the guy wins with route running, and sometimes in this league, and just the sport in general, like, your technique sometimes matters more for certain players than it does for other players, so like, you know, I also think part of the issue is that a lot of Bay fans just want Olave, because again, like, everything starts and ends with Justin Fields, which is kind of a good and bad thing, but like, you know, you need more dynamic playmakers, and you need legitimate athletes, at your playmaking positions to really maximize the potential of the offense in general. So like, I don't like a lot has been on my radar since last year. I don't love the guy. 
I don't absolutely hate the guy either, but I think like a lot of people right now are kind of overrating him and just saying, you know, he's a surefire first round pick. And all of a sudden, like what's going to happen when we get to draft night, you know, some of these guys are going to slip and everyone's going to be like, well, what happened? It's just because these teams do not view these players in the same view as the public. I does. Yeah. I was going to say, we have no idea what teams are going to prefer a wide receiver. We have no idea. Again, there's the quote-unquote slam dunk, first few picks, first whatever wide receivers go off the board. We have no idea what's going to happen. We have no idea who's going to fall. We have no idea who's going to – nobody expected Tevin Jenkins to fall to the to fall to where the Bears drafted him. Everybody thought he was going to be a first-round pick, you know, that 20 to 25 range. and That could be the same thing for Chris Olave. That could be the same for any of these wide receivers. Traylon Burks. Jo- Dotson is another one. Like, literally – any of these dudes can fall. You never know what teams are going to prefer. You never know what teams are going to see in these interviews that we don't see with these players. Maybe, maybe Olave is horrible in his interviews. Maybe Olave doesn't have the actual knowledge that they want in their room at wide receiver. We have no idea, and we're not going to know. So, I, I, again, you never know who could fall. If Olave falls, slam dunk pick for me. I would love that too. Like, like you said, you said I'm a huge fan of his route running. Again, the, the cheap, easy comp for, that everyone makes for those, like, again, he ran a great 40, but he's not super game fast. But those, like, you know, silky smooth route runners that aren't extremely fast and not huge, the extremely easy comp for that is normally the Keenan Allen. So I agree with that, though, a lot. Yeah, I mean, it just, like, look, you know, figuring out this wide receiver position is going to be of utmost importance for the Bears. It just It's just at a point where it's just, like, you know, Chicago's in a situation where being able to just get that wide receiver room overhauled in 2022 so it's not an issue going into 2023 is going to be super important, all right? But, Raul, you got any last-minute thoughts before we get out of this thing on the Bears? Um, Ryan Poles is a hoe. That's about it. I mean, I said it to him. Yeah, you should um, you should march right up to Hallis Hall, bro, and just like hold the sign out the building, right, and be like, "Yeah, yeah I got this you. Is... I got you." I know, I just, maybe. I just... Oh, go my, ahead. My biggest thing is, I just think that we are uh, we're just outsmarting ourselves for no reason, and I don't like that. I mean, like. All this is going to wait and see, you know, like I said on this show, I got indifferent feelings towards Ryan Poles and everything because it's just like people get so tired of garbage year in and year out that it's just like people have every right to be pissed off and criticize Ryan Poles for just his approach. And there's no guarantee that his like low risk, high reward, you know, and incredibly conservative approach even ends up paying off in the long run. I mean, I certainly see his philosophy, but we also have to understand is that like this guy's been with the chiefs, you know, who's under Scott Pioli, John Dorsey, Brett Veach too. And, you know, that chiefs team was basically built by two different general managers. One was John Dorsey. The other was Brett Veach. And so ultimately, you know, and some of the most important pieces on that team right now, like a Patrick Mahomes, a Tyreek Hill, a Travis Kelsey, those were all, you know, John Dorsey draft picks until John Dorsey got fired halfway through like the summer of 2017. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to keep watching this thing moving forward. Guys, before we get out of here, make sure you're following Fireside Bears on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Make sure you follow Raul on Twitter at Black underscore 42. It's been the same handle ever since the day that Raul and I started following each other on Twitter. Make sure you're following myself on Twitter at Usaid Koshal and Joe on Twitter at Joseph Herf NFL. Raul, thanks so much for being on. We're definitely going to have you on sometime again in May for the NFL draft where hopefully you handle for the stream yard is the exact same thing but bear down y'all we will catch you guys next week i'm gonna be out of town so i won't be on the show but we're gonna have an episode anyway but peace out bear down everyone bear down yeah i'll be easy